warrior who ever lived never shot a gun, never wielded a sword, never drew a bow. He himself was a sword. He himself was an arrow, polished arrow hidden in God's quiver. And because he lived and because he was willing to give everything, then every person who has ever given their life or lost their life for any reason has the potential, has the, the possibility, the hope of resurrection, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna look at this morning. We're gonna look at this one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now that you have sat down, would you stand up please? And let's read together. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life and the the grace that flow from your word. I pray that you'd make our hearts sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. I pray that living water would flow in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Who is Jesus? You guys don't recognize a question when you hear one? I just don't have any answers. Yeah, for for most everybody here, probably for everybody here, uh, he's the son of God. He's our savior. He's, He's our Lord. That's what we would say. For most people in our, in our country, in our culture, that's probably not the answer that they would give. I mean, it might be close to, to 50-50, but, but for most, they wouldn't be willing to go that far. They would, ironically, be willing to go to the point of saying that he's a great teacher. Uh, now, the law of Moses, uh, Kevin referred to it earlier, The law of Moses, the reason that it was put in place was basically to force us to act like we at least, to at least act like we love God and love each other. And that's why it's there. If you look at all the commandments, that's what they add up to. Is that if you'll keep these commandments, then you'll at least act like you love each other. Um, C.S. Lewis has a little quote that I like. He says, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as you do this, you will find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you presently come to love them. 
you know, you can love me, but if you don't act like you love me, then I would rather you acted like you love me and just faked it. <laughs> and you may go, well, now that's phony. That's being a hypocrite. Well, it is if you're trying to deceive, but if you're, if you're really going, I really want to love this person, then that's a whole different story. There's nothing, there's nothing phony about that. That's, that's, that's genuine. That's, that's absolutely real. There's a verse of scripture that talks about the law, and we don't, we don't usually use it in this reference, but Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, most of you know the first phrase because you listen to Dave Ramsey. Let no debt remain outstanding. But that's only the first phrase, and we take that and we, and we build life lessons from it. But there's a whole paragraph here. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's what the law is all about. It really is. Jesus did not contradict Moses at all. He just took what Moses taught and took it to the next level. He, he, he raised it up to the next level. He said, you've been taught to love your neighbor. I'm telling you, love your enemies. That's, that's what the next step is. That's the next level. You, want, you really want to find life? Then love, love those people you're not loving presently. He taught us to forgive even when the forgiveness isn't asked for nor deserved. How often do I have to forgive, Lord? Seven times a day? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'll tell you what. Go to 490 times and then come and ask me about that. And as we we live in forgiveness, we're living in love. And as we're living in love, we're living in love. We're pleasing God, and that's a, that's, that's a good life to live. Jesus taught us to live for others rather than for ourselves. And I say it's ironic that people would say, well, I, you know, he's a great teacher. That's what he is. What they're not considering is that no man ever spoke the way this man spoke. Because he didn't just say, love your enemies, and he didn't just say, forgive, and he didn't just take the law to the next level. He said... He said some things that are not the sayings of any sane, reasonable man, unless they're true. He declared, I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. Now, now listen, if, you, if you've got a good friend, and, you're, and maybe you like this friend a whole lot, and the, the friend comes and sits down with you, and you're having coffee and everything, or, or tea, or whatever it is that you have, and, and your friend says, uh, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to go to heaven, but it's okay, because I'm going to fix things up for you while I'm there, and then I'll come back, and uh, we'll go together. What do you think? That conversation gets very uncomfortable, you know, very quickly. You're beginning to go, yeah. That's not where he stopped, though. I mean, he, uh, he, he declared that he was going to the Father. That's a bit out there. He declared that he was the only way to the Father. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. When I was, when I was a kid, well, actually, I was a, probably about 13 at the time. I remember, and some of you are old enough to remember this, but many, most of you are not. I remember listening to the radio, uh, the, the heavyweight boxing championship between Cassius Clay and Sonny Liston. And how many of you are old enough to remember that? Okay, six of you. And uh, the, the rest of you, do, do you know who Cassius Clay? Okay, became Muhammad Ali. All right, yeah, 10 points uh, for, for answering that. Well, it was, an, it was astounding. I mean, it was an astounding thing that he, that he beat Sonny Liston because everybody just thought Liston was going to kill this guy. That was, that was what they were thinking. Uh, but what was even more astounding was that after it was over, He's, he's jumping up and down and he's yelling and going, I am the greatest. I am the most wonderful and I am beautiful. Look at me. I am the greatest fighter that's ever lived. I'm probably the greatest person who ever lived. Now, you got to understand what the sensibilities were in the country in, in the early 60s. That was like, <gasps> don't stand close to him because the lightning is going to, to strike. Here at some point. Well, it turns out, you know, I mean, he obviously was a great, great boxer. Uh, and he sort of set off a chain reaction in sports that's still kind of going to this day and kind of moved its way into the culture. But think about this. Jesus is saying, oh, by the way, if you want to know God, It's me. That's the only way. It's the only way you can know him, and it's the only way you can get there. Now, what kind of person talks like that? What kind of person says things like that? Great moral teachers, or the Son of God? And he said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." That's what we're going to look at today. These three things very quickly. The first one he said, "I am the way." There are many ways in life, uh, but there's only one way to eternal life, and that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about the way you roll necessarily. Uh, it, it, isn't, it isn't about, isn't about culture. Uh, I was at Centennial Park yesterday for the flash mob and the, uh, and the uh, uh, marriage proposal. That was the other thing that happened, right. Uh, I, I, I was there for that. And... And as, I, and as I watched it, I mean, it's kind of cool. I, I hadn't learned the dance, so, you know, I didn't get up there and do the dance with them. I seriously considered doing it. And if I'd had time, you guys would have been in trouble because uh, I would have done that. But, um, and for those of you who, who weren't there, it, they had it on the news last night. And I, th- I think you can go and get it. It's on YouTube or something. But anyway, uh, as I was watching it, I, I thought, I love our church. This is just so cool. This is just, this is us. This is, this, this is weird. These people, what are they doing this for? You know? And, and we, we do, there's a guy who came to the gate Tuesday morning and he comes all couple, three or four times a year. He actually lives in Knoxville. When he manages to, to be in Smyrna, he gets up and comes to the gate. Just saying for all you guys who live in Smyrna, who don't manage to get up and come to the gate. But anyway. He, he gets up and he comes to the gate and he, uh, 
And he was, and he was telling me, he said, man, I, I just really love these people here. It's such an eclectic group. And I thought, man, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know the half of it. I mean, you know, we've got, we've got some, some pretty far out there sort of uh, art, artiste types, you know. And we have, we, have, we have accountants who go to this church. Who knew? I, I mean, seriously, but we, yeah, we do. We, 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 have, we have people who actually know how to program a computer who go to this church. But that's creative, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and there's just all kinds of all kinds of weirdness and weird people here, and and uh, you know, I'm waiting to see the next couple that gets engaged. Uh, um, Jeff took his fiance to to France and 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 proposed to her under the Eiffel Tower. Um, Sam got a, a flash mob together and did the thing in Centennial Park with TV cameras. Guy, whoever's next. <laughs> You got something to shoot for here. But, you know, people are different. It's so great because, you know, the next one may just be, let me take you out to dinner tonight. Little candle, little ring, just a little one-on-one. Nobody knows about it. That's cool, too. That's beautiful, too. Things are different. Let me, let me ask you this. Cult, it's not about culture. Which is, which is right? To, do, should you clean your plate or not? Are y'all going to answer any of my questions? You know, my, my feeling is it depends on what's on the plate. Broccoli. It's kind of a mixed thing. You know, I, I actually, I used the term Brussels sprouts in the first service. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what happened. People were going, yeah. And I'm going, who are you people? And most of the time in our culture, you need to clean your plate. Otherwise, the person who prepared it's going, you didn't like my food? But there are other cultures where if you do clean your plate, the person who prepared it's going, I didn't have enough food for you. And they're both right. Down south, west, somewhere here, little school down there. Yeah. And uh, Texas, that's it, University of Texas. And they do this thing, right? That's called hook em, horns, whatever. In the Mediterranean uh, countries, this means your wife is unfaithful. (laughs) Just saying. They might want to think about that a little more. Interesting roadway here. Uh, That's not been photoshopped. That actually exists. That, That is the roadway between mainland China and Hong Kong. Because in Hong Kong, they drive on the left side of the road, and in mainland China, they drive on the right side of the road. And so they got this thing figured out so that they can get you on the correct side when you get there. And both are right. 
Both work. There is no culture difference in the world, though, as great as the culture difference between being raised a man and being raised a woman. C.S. Lewis, uh, I've got one more quote of his here. It says, a woman means by unselfishness, chiefly taking trouble for others. A man means not giving trouble to others. Thus, while the woman thinks of doing good offices and the man of respecting other people's rights, each sex, without any obvious unreason, can and does regard the other as radically selfish. (laughs) Why is that funny? Because it's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's sitting over there going, will you leave them alone? And she's going, why aren't you helping? It's not about our personality. It's not about the way that we're wired. Is fast driving or slow driving better? You are my kind of people. Yes. Yes, you are. Ah, chocolate or vanilla? Some of you are my kind of people. Is heaven loud or quiet? (laughs) Yeah, it's not about those things. It's not when he says I'm the way. It's not like okay, if you if you want to follow the way, you do this. There there are a lot of ways to do this. What it is about is he, is he is the way to what we were created for, which isn't this place. This place teaches us hatred and envy and desire. What he, what he, the way that he is, is, is love and generosity and fulfillment. Every time you long for something, that you can't put a name to. Every, every time you're, you, you find yourself at, at one of those places where there's just this eh, inside and it's kind of like, I want something, I just don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is. He's the way to it. He is the way to what it is. That you're wanting, that you're desiring, that you're longing for. It's, it, it transcends culture. It transcends uh, personality. It transcends uh, personal preference. That's the way. And he's the truth. Even in Jesus' day, people uh, questioned whether or not truth existed. Over in John chapter 19, Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Pilate says, you know, are you a king? The people who brought you to me said that you're a king. Tell me about that. And Jesus went, you're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born into the world. And, and this is why I came, to testify to the truth. Pilate looked at him and said, what is truth? Wheeled on his heel and turned away. It's 2,000 years ago. And people were going, what is truth? When I was a freshman in college, which wasn't quite 2,000 years ago, I remember being in my freshman English class and a freshman English teacher saying, you can always tell a freshman English class because you ask the question, what is truth? And you get an answer. 
And this was a this was a a, a Christian school. Of course, that's no longer the case anymore because even freshmen know you don't answer that question. We have substituted in our culture facts for truth. And a very, very poor substitute it is indeed. Facts are, are, are subjective. They're subject to, to manipulation. You can, you can twist them and do things with them. And so therefore, a, a, a large corporation can, depending on how they want to present things, can either make a lot of money this quarter or lose a lot of money this quarter. They can make this look good or make that look bad. It, it doesn't, and it's all, it's all the same. It's just a matter of how they package it and present it. Science, which is the god of most People probably probably the predominant religion in our culture is science. I don't, you know, science is good. I got nothing against science, but it does approach religion status with a whole lot of people culturally. Uh, but it can it, it can manipulate facts. A lot of times you'll uh, you know you'll read um, studies about uh, prescription drugs and things, and they'll say this is fifty percent more effective than a placebo. And you're kind of going, well, that sounds pretty good, 50%, until you realize that the placebo helps two people out of 100, and this drug helps three people out of 100. That's 50% better. And it's a fact. Facts change. Truth doesn't. Truth remains. Truth is something you can, you can build upon. Most postmoderns tend to be okay with unsynthesized lifestyles. We, uh, uh, this last week, I, uh, <coughs> I was reminded of this. I was asked to, to go see a play and participate in a talkback afterwards. I was, the, I was the, uh, the pastor who was participating in the talkback called, Is God an Excuse? And... Uh, I kind of felt sort of out there, you know, in, in, the, in the situation that I was in. But the Lord was with me, and so that was good. Uh, but one of the things that we got to talking about was that these people in the play were saying that they believed certain things, and yet their lives were really showing something radically different. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, that's... That's pretty much the culture we live in today. People don't have no problem going, okay, my philosophy is over here. What I believe is in column A, but my life is in column C and sometimes in column G. And, you know, I actually believe a couple of these things over here in column D as well. And they have no concern for the fact that they don't synthesize. They don't go together. And so as a result, there are a lot of fractured lives. And fractured life isn't fun. It's very much like, you know, we want to build a house and we'd like to build the house over here. But you know what? It'd be a lot easier to build the foundation over here. So let's build the foundation here and we'll build the house over here. And that's exactly what they do. And then when the house comes tumbling down, it's kind of like, what happened? We had a foundation. Yeah, but the house wasn't built on it. I believe in God, 
But my life doesn't reflect it, doesn't show it. And besides that, everything that I know about God, I learned from Oprah. I'm not against Oprah. She's probably a good gal, but, you know, she just, she doesn't know God that well. Without I am, there is no such thing as truth. If anybody ever asks you, though, what is truth? You've got absolute rock-solid ground to stand on. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus prayed to the Father and said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What is truth? God's word's truth. What is truth? Jesus' truth. If you, if you remember a few weeks back, I was talking about uh, uh, Jesus is the living word, the Bible is the written word, uh, and what's true about one is true about the other. Jesus is the light of the world. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He actually is. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was saying righteousness. Right is defined by whatever God does. Whatever God does is what right is. Who Jesus is, is truth. That's what truth is. So he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. What is really living to you? A national championship? Yeah. Uh, big screen TV? You know, what, what is really living? For a lot of people, for a lot of people, and, and, you know, this one's almost, we can almost dismiss it, but for a lot of people, it's money. Uh, most people think that they can't live on what they make because they don't call that really living. But we all know that money really doesn't, really doesn't get you there. Ty Cobb, the famous, uh, ball player, from the early part of the 20th century, died in a VA hospital alone with a big sack of money under his bed and a gun under his pillow. Boy, that's how we all want to go, isn't it? That's what we're all looking forward to. You've got that right. Yeah, That's what we're all looking forward to. Uh, George Getty, who was J. Paul Getty's son, and J. Paul Getty was the richest man in the world. George Getty wasn't too far behind him. Uh, died, died drunk from a, from a, from an intentionally self-inflicted wound of a barbecue fork to the stomach. Just give you something to think about for your cookout tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the super rich rarely come to a good end. Rarely. In fact, the only chance they have is if they really learn to give. I mean, that's, that's the only chance that they, that's the only shot they got. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's, it's a very important component in the shot we've got is to really learn to give and really learn to be generous. Immorality. Some people consider that really living. I've got uh, one more C.S. Lewis quote here. I confess I was reading C.S. Lewis quotes this last week, and so they kept coming to mind as I was putting this together. But uh, uh, he says, uh, 
Prostitutes are in no danger of finding their present life so satisfactory that they cannot turn to God. The proud, the avaricious, the self-righteous, they're in danger. I dare say that everyone here, every adult here, probably knows somebody who's committed adultery. How'd that work out for them? I mean, did they think that was, you know, that that had been a pretty good thing? Rarely ever. And usually if, if somebody does think that, that's because they, they just hadn't had time yet for it to settle in. But, you know, for most it ends up being one of the most devastating things they can do in their entire lives. Just leaves wreckage everywhere. So that's likely not really living, and money's not really living. How about hearth and home? Now that's getting closer. That's getting a little closer, I think, to what God really intended for us. You know, uh, when I was when I was when I was a little kid, I used to think I used to think a lot of things. But one one of the things that I used to think, besides when I grow up, I'm going to eat all the icing off the top of, uh, of cinnamon rolls was uh, when I grow up, I'm going, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch all the cartoons I want to on Saturday morning. Because, <laughs> you know, they used to have a limited number of cartoons on television. And parents used to tell their kids, they used to limit how much those limited cartoons they could see. You know, I'm, and I'm just going, you just wait. You know, and I got a little older and discovered that I wasn't going to watch all the cartoons on Sunday morning, but uh, Saturday morning, because I, you know, I was, I was that my taste had changed. Yeah. And, and then, as I was, uh, you know, when I was when I was a young man, when I was uh, uh, in my twenties or the teens, and you know, on up, really until probably my early or mid fifties, I, I used to think, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play sports my whole life. Bring it on, you know. I'm I'm shortstop. I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm softball, basketball, you name it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be. I, I just couldn't conceive of this idea of people not exercising. Now I turned sixty, and uh, you know what I really, really, really like now. I like to go home. <laughs> you know, I just like, I like to get home. And, and, and especially if it's one of those occasions where there's nothing to do. Wow. This is so good. Yeah. Let's, let's, just, let's just sit here. It's a great thing. Uh, and you know, I mean, going out with your boots on, that's great, but, you know, going out at home with your family around you and kissing kin and they really do love you. I mean, now that's, you know, that's a way to go. That'd be okay. I, I could get into that. It's a good idea. This is getting a little closer, I think, to maybe what real life is, because this isn't really it anyway. 
Maybe walking in Eden, that'd be, that'd be good with God. That, boy, I could, wow, think about walking in the cool of the day with Him in the, in the Garden of Eden and, and no sin and no bad stuff. Right? A deer tried to kill my dog yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it did. I, we were walking down the, the driveway and, and, and Peanut, I mean, you know Peanut, he's like this. Peanut goes about 40, 50 yards ahead of us, and this deer comes out and starts just chomping, trying to take him down. Uh, That never happened in Eden. Because there was no fear. And since there was no fear, they didn't have to, nobody had to attack anybody. But the life is even more than that. The life is knowing God. John 17, Jesus prays his high priestly prayer. And it's really the Lord's prayer. We've already quoted from it once today, but it's a a great one. There's so much in it. But in in verse 3, he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God whom you have, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the way, speaking the truth about the life. The life he's talking about is something beyond anything we can comprehend. <laughs> Money? <laughs> that, no, that's, that's not it. Yeah. Hedonistic lifestyle? No, that's, no. Uh-uh. You know, those things are so insignificant compared to what the real life is. It's not a matter of, of, of living, existing forever and ever and ever and ever. Never stop, never stop, never stop. No, it is the quality of life that God has. In His presence is the fullness of joy. In His right hand are blessings forevermore. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost abound in His presence. You know, there has never been a time God has lived for eons. And I promise you, there has never been a day uh, during those eons that the Father has turned to the Son and the Holy Spirit and gone, what do you want to do today? <laughs> that, that creativity, that, that freshness, constantly renewing itself, glory to glory to glory. That's what Jesus means when He says, I am the life. That's what he has to offer. There's, there's, there's nothing that this world has that can even begin to prepare us for that, much less compared to it. Except the way and the truth, which gets us ready for the life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? with those who are going to pray for people come forward and with those who need prayer those who need ministry would you come forward as well this uh, this same Jesus who spoke these words in the scripture is here right now he still does the same things today that he did then he still has the same offer today when I pray uh, in the mornings for 
the services. I usually pray for three things to happen. I pray for, re- for, for redemption, for reconciliation, and uh, restoration. Thank you very much. There are other R's running through my head. Reading, writing, arithmetic. <laughs> redemption, reconciliation, restoration. If there's anything going on in your life that needs any of that, then come. Come. There's no reason to hold back unless you just want to deal with it some more. Come, lay your burden down. Come find healing. We're going to worship for a little while. We'll wait on you. God's presence is going to manifest here. I will Oh, 
Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world to show us the way to show us the truth to lead us to the life may those things happen in you may your life reflect who he is and may you know the joy of those who follow him through Jesus Christ our Lord Amen